On the Jacob Beer Show today, I'm so happy to have on Admiral Mike Franken. How are you doing today? Good, Jacob. Nice of you to have me. Good day to you. Good day to your listeners as well. Appreciate it. Um, my first question really isn't so much a question, but um, tell us a little bit about yourself. You've ran for public office. You've served as an admiral. You've done quite a bit of things that are very unique. I uh, served in some roles in the Pentagon. Tell us a little bit about what that's been like so far, your journey to getting there and getting started um, early in high school and things like that. Well, I think it's very important, the formative years of one's life. I was born and raised in northwestern corner of Iowa in a, in a very rural setting, uh, 10 miles from the nearest town in a small community of 50 people where 11 of them were my family. Uh, and it was a rather... Um, I often say organic existence where we had a big garden. We got an indoor bathroom between kids five and six. And uh, we, uh, it was a rousing where you worked all the time. I grew up in a machine shop and working on the farm, working in a slaughterhouse. That, that became working for a law firm um, and a host of jobs while I was going to college to work your way through college. A scholarship ensued and uh, I was going to go to medical school. And uh, my brother, who had uh, ran out of money in college early on and joined the Navy, had now become a hot rock pilot with an aeronautical engineering degree and a graduate degree in advanced math and the like. And he's enjoying life flying jets off carriers. And he said, hey, why don't you goof off for a few years? And you can always go to medical school later. So at the age of 21, I said, boom, I think I'll try the Navy. And uh, that's how I ended up in the Navy. Uh, it was a fascinating experience. I thought I'd stay in for just four years, but I ended up staying in the 39. And uh, uh, after 9-11, having been on the destroyer pipeline of a series of uh, destroyer ships, destroyer type ships, uh, complex combat systems, uh, I got graduate degrees in, in uh, engineering and physics and the like, um, sometime in Washington, including working for on a senatorial staff. Uh, during a PhD program that uh, roused my interest in how big decisions are made in government. And uh, operationally, I turned to uh, being the land commander in Africa, uh, responsible for uh, much of the activity running into Yemen and uh, north into Sudan and elsewhere. Uh, and that, uh, and also being a commodore of many, many ships in the, in the Persian Gulf um, but a total of, I think, about 20-some different staffs, about 12 and a half years gone from home, and uh, uh, a life that is rich with stories. And I'm happy to answer any questions you may have. Appreciate it. And if I recall, you were you said you mentioned you worked on central staff. It was, uh, if I'm correct, Senator Ted Kennedy, the late senator, if I'm correct. I, um, I was in a PhD program and I got a, received a phone call from somebody who announced himself as a secretary and I didn't know what secretary he was. I was a lieutenant commander in the Navy and turned out to be the secretary of the Navy who told me to get hired by a Democratic senator as soon as possible in the, in the uh, Clinton years in the White House. So I uh, sashayed over to the, to, the, to the Russell Senate office building and knocked on Senator Kennedy's door, who swung the biggest hammer congressionally, 
And within 45 seconds, I was sitting on his couch chatting with him about affairs of state. And up working for him uh, in the 105th Congress as his military legislative assistant, foreign policy, a science person, uh, and a whole host of other collateral duties in Massachusetts with uh, agriculture and the like. And it was quite a formative time. Uh, and learned how to get things done on, on the Hill. Later on, I became Chief of Legislative Affairs for the Navy and the Marine Corps, having multiple offices on uh, in the House and the Senate side. And that's that experience, I think, sharpened my wits to um, run for office in the state of Iowa. And I uh, last ran against Chuck Grassley, failed in the general election. Uh, and that's how that, that business goes. And of course, politics is is such a game. Um, back to the point real quick about, you know, how you had basically when you got in, you were planning to only be in for four years. What was it like to work your way up from having the goal of, hey, I'm going to do this, like your brother said, goof off. Well, not really goof off, but, you know, have a good time for four years to making it to such a prestigious position as a three-star admiral. Um, what was that experience like to make it to a level like that? Well, well, Jacob, I, I don't know how many of your listeners are from the Midwest, but there's a couple of things we don't do very well, and quitting is one of them. Uh, so um, I, every, I, although I had every intention of uh, jumping out and going to grad school while I was a junior officer, each successive job became more interesting. And uh, uh, there was a time when I had 16 or 17 years in, and um a uh, corporate entity came and dangled a very attractive offer in front of me. And I mentioned it to my wife and she said, no, you're going to go to captain of a ship and you're going to get a retirement uh, because we've really paid our dues. You should at least do that and you should do it for yourself professionally. And, uh, and that was really the, uh, you know, frankly, the first 16, 17 years went by in such a blur uh, that uh, I didn't I didn't really think twice about it. Uh, and uh, once I once I became a senior officer, a captain or so, I had many discussions with my detailer saying, if you need to trim the the ranks of the of the of the senior officers, I'm happy to go, uh, knowing that there's always other opportunities on the on the outside, et cetera, and having served my country, I think nobly. Um, and I finally uh, submitted my request to resign when Donald Trump was elected. Uh, I knew there were very few jobs in the in the in the Washington D.C. where I was going back to that wouldn't um, run afoul to my thoughts about um, the manner in which that White House was running business. So that's how I that's how I ultimately uh, uh, retired. And once again, thank you for your service. Sure. Um, what would you say, um, back to the thing about it. So when you became an admiral, correct me if I'm wrong here. Um, there was, I want to say I saw it in a TV ad and it was about how you, uh, at one point you were like, you're the youngest one in the room, if I'm correct. And I was the president or somebody like that. And you were one of the, and you stuck up for something as such a young person. What was that experience like? Well, um, I, I, I worked for a guy one time in the early 90s, and he was a, a three-star, uh, and he was a black guy. Uh, he is a black guy. And um, he said something to me one time that was pretty insightful. 
He said, you know, regardless of where you think you are in the world, you got to put it in context as to where this is coming from. Um, do not be dismayed as to what you think, whether undervalue your opinion of things. Um, be confident, be well-read, well-established, work hard, uh, trust, trust your judgment, trust your moral fiber, your heart, and you got to go with it. So there was a time after 9-11 when I was working at a think tank that stood up to uh, work issues in Afghanistan. Uh, and uh, it was a very small cell of uh, forward thinkers and operationally savvy individuals, language uh, expertise and the like. But a collateral duty while I was there was um, running the, doing the role of planning for the invasion of Iraq. Uh, for the for the Department of the Navy. And uh, having sat in a few of these meetings and also on a sidebar effort because of my background uh, with high science, I, I was uh, privy to the fact that we didn't have any, any whatsoever evidence of weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. And having deployed over there four or five times, spent a lot of time over there before, um, I just thought it was a, a big mistake to invade Iraq and ill-timed, ill-conceived, bad end state, et cetera. And I went to Navy leadership with my, my thoughts on this matter before we made we went to the vote. And uh, a very senior military officer in the Navy said, listen, Frank, and you've been sitting in the meetings, vote your conscience, vote your sensibility, that's your job. So sitting around a table with about 20 individuals, all of whom are senior to me, uh, including White House representation. Um, we were voting on the three courses of action for the invasion of Iraq. Uh, I was the one guy that said all three Navy votes down on. And uh, for the following reasons, I went through a litany of, of rationale and uh, I was overruled is the short of it. But uh, I thought that would have been uh, terminal to my career. But, uh, you know, people, people appreciate when you stand up for what you believe is right and stand up in, a, in an educated, uh, um, thoughtful manner and don't hold principle above all else, but say, okay, my orders are to execute, I shall execute. And, uh, and that's what we did. I found myself uh, a year later uh, working uh, and briefing Secretary Rumsfeld um, even after I was set aside on that panel work. So that just to, just to, to uh, prove to your listeners that there is salvation when you think that you've been set aside for standing on principle. Uh, in the end, principle pr uh, prevails. That's really awesome. <laughs> Uh, my you, can next imagine, you can imagine my sweaty hands underneath the table. And I had conversed with my wife before that vote that day and said, well, sweetheart, I may very well be a 48-year-old 40, in medical school. I may be going to medical school after all. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then two other questions I have is one was, what is it like once you become an admiral? Well, you know, I, I didn't, um, my life... Uh, Obviously, you change uniforms and all that business. Your title changes. 
Uh, I didn't ever get wrapped up in the ranks as I as I bumped through them. Uh, ensign, I started out enlisted uh, for three years, and then lieutenant or ensign, and then lieutenant JG, et cetera. Nine ranks later, um, I kind of already ex always expected. Wait a minute, I'm losing my card here. I kind of already always expected that um, if I worked hard. So Jacob, uh, and continuing, I, I, I considered doing your best in life and letting the cards fall as they may. Uh, promotions came, uh, tough jobs. I, I never said no to hard jobs. I said, you know, send me in coach. I'll, I'll, I'll try this. Uh, well, there was a time when um, I could be the head admiral in San Diego deploying on a, on a, on a, a carrier strike group or be the ground person in Africa um, living in a rather um, tough situation and and very threatening uh, in a combat area and I chose the I chose the latter uh, completely um, you know I took the place of a seal uh, admiral and I was perfectly content in doing that. I thought that was the future of diplomacy, development, humanitarian outreach, and certainly uh, defense aspects, running the, gam the gauntlet and the, and the gamut across uh, joint operations, Air Force, Marines, et cetera, SEALs, uh, uh, special forces across the, uh, across the spectrum. And, um, and I found that to be um, a, a great job. And, and when uh, the Obama White House found out that I chose to go on the ground in Africa in a combat zone, uh, live in fatigues in 120 degree weather and uh, and do kind of uh, un unnatural things going in combat zones, talking to warlords and the like, uh, flying around Africa in a small airplane, uh, they said, well, let's talk to this guy about being chief of legislative affairs next. And when I when they asked me, I said, you know, I'm really not interested in going back to Washington to do that in the political realm. It's such such a such a busy and busying, um, hard, difficult time in politics. I would rather stay operationally where um, my skills are well applied. They said, perhaps you didn't hear us. Come to Washington, be chief of legislative affairs. So that's how those things happen. Uh, good things happen to people who. Um, to work hard, and uh, that was quite uh, an honor to be able to do that uh, for the Marine Corps and the and the, and the Navy. So, um, yeah, I didn't ever expect that making an admiral was that big of a deal, any more than making any other rank. Uh, and uh, I was just happy to be able to be serving of the nation, which is all really fantastic. Um, and then my next question. Uh, and this one, some might think it's a funny question. I don't. Uh, so I'll just ask it. Sure. Um, you know, in the last really four to five years, we've seen videos from um, Navy pilots who have, you know, came off aircraft carriers and they've, you know, um, taken videos of interesting objects such as, you know, UFOs. Um, we don't know what they are, of course. Do you think that in a way that's a potential national security threat? Um, 
What are your thoughts on that? Well, there are some unexplained radar returns, some visual objects seen visually that have remained unexplained. The vast majority of them are explained, are, 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 are uh, acknowledged and um, written off as being this or that. There are some situations where we really can't. Regarding the most recent balloon incident is probably a good example. Uh, this has been going on for a while, and uh, although not necessarily visible to the unaided eye, sometimes the lower balloons are. These balloons are, of course, are very, very large, and uh, and from below they they uh, can take on a a varying aspect. So, um, but you know, I think uh, I don't believe there's a, a national security threat, but we need to be vigilant because. Technology ch changes, and uh, there are a host of a host of uh, incident uh, individuals out there, entities out there, who would like to do us harm, or at least would like to get a leg up on us on the next conflict, or even in a business sense. For sure, I like that. <laughs> and then my last question is: um, What advice would you have for next generation? Um, I think you must be technical. You must understand how the world works. You may be in a situation where you just want to roll your eyes about uh, the intrigue and the political uh, noise that occurs. You may be uh, wanting to just kind of straight arm it all and not get involved in the political process of voting and what's best for you and your future generations. But you may not do that. You must stay engaged. It's your world. And it's, it's also a situation where we need to change the way we're doing business. We can't continue uh, with this divisiveness that we have in society. Uh, we've got to get along. I, I grew up in a time politically where the senators all worked together and they conversed with each other. They had a, they had a cocktail together. Their, their spouses would go on trips together and, and do things. And today it's become just a viciousness that is inimical to the well-being of this country. And perhaps we need a new generation to change that. So um, I, I urge you to, to all be well-read, well-engaged, and also the accomplishments we wish you do when you're younger are very important in that they stay with you for your entire life. So do work hard, work hard in high school, uh, get that college degree if you if that's if that's your track in life, and do well in college. Uh, but be good to your fellow um, humankind, and uh, do more than what is asked of you, and never say that uh, this is too hard. Uh, the biggest the biggest thing I would have to I would have to say uh, is don't give up. There's no such thing as giving up. Uh, you can be dissuaded to do something or persuaded to do something else, but don't give up because you think something's too hard. Uh, keep going. Uh, because you're uh, because oftentimes, you know, as I look back on grad school where uh, we had 16 people in my class uh, on the first day uh, going through this curriculum and six months later, there were eight of us. 
And uh, those those eight people that dropped out, they didn't have to. They dropped out because they were, they got a C or they had a tough class or or they thought they were just a little too difficult. Uh, when in fact, um, it would have it would have been good for all of them to get that degree. And uh, you just got to punch through, share share your uh, share your uh, your ambitions with others, and you'll find out that a lot of people want to help you do well in in life. Well, I appreciate that. And thank you so much, um, Admiral Franken, for coming on the Jacob Beer Show today. Thank you, Jacob. And thanks for uh, being a spokesperson for the next generation. Appreciate it. Thank you.